Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live or connect with us on Facebook. Welcome to uh, week two of He Gets Us, and uh, glad you're joining us. You're watching online or here in person. Glad that uh, glad you're here today, and glad you're in church. Uh, I don't know about you, but there's no place I'd rather be on a Sunday morning. It is uh, good to see you. Um, uh, we of course glad you joined us on this day uh, that marks 21 years ago today that our world stopped turning for a moment, and uh, we we remember that day uh, in honor of what God has done, the healing, and uh, though we are walking in healing, uh, we never forget where we've we've been, and we just thank God for his grace and his hand, and we pray for continued mercy upon our country, and uh, we pray for our country, but uh, as we've done so today, we just honor and and, uh, recognize all of our first responders, and and we say thank God for his grace upon our land, upon our country, and uh, without the grace of God, how many know we're empty? Uh, if, if we do not have the grace of God. Well, I'm glad you're here today, and uh, I, I just pray that what is in my spirit will just get contagious this morning, because I believe God wants you to get back up again. I don't know, someone today, the, the, the first song we sang, Shake Off Despair. I'm going to shake off despair. I'm going to move into uh, hope and promise of what God has for us, and uh, I just believe that is without a doubt what God has. You know, there's, there's different types of people that come into the room today, and uh, this picture was just of how we, we, we might see some folks at a sporting event, and if you've gone to a sporting event, even in Pittsburgh, baseball, football, whatever it might be, there's different types of people at that sporting event. There are those who are... Um, in the stands with uh, concessions and they're selling things or they're on the field and they're just making a living. They're trying to earn what they get. They're, they're, they're trying to earn what they can get. Then there's other people just sitting in the stands watching. How many know that's a whole other group of people? They're just sitting in the stands watching. And then when you leave, there's another group of people who are on the outside begging and waiting for someone to have leftovers or whatever they've had to pass along. But then there's a fourth group of people, and those groups of people are sitting in the box seats, in places of honor, in places of belonging. I want to say to you today, I pray that you would take your rightful place today, that you don't have to earn, you don't have to work for what God has for you, you don't have to earn it, you don't even have to just sit by and watch it, and you definitely don't have to sit outside and beg for it. You can sit at the king's table. He's prepared a place for you. He's got a box seat for you to watch. I love what he said to Jehoshaphat that take your position and watch the Lord work on your behalf can I say to you today just take your position in him and know he is you are a son and a daughter of the most high God you don't have to work you don't have to beg you don't have to earn you don't have to just sit by and watch you get to sit at the king's table tell your neighbor today say you got a box seat come on tell him you got got a box seat today and man you thought you had a great deal you didn't even have to pay anything to get here and you got a box seat to watch what God wants to do. I believe God wants to do something significant. John chapter 5, there's a story that is interesting and uh, intriguing and on some level disturbing. Jesus is healing a man who is sitting at a pool. We're going to read this text. And uh, Jesus, in the process, offends the religious people. Can I just say to you today, religion stinks to God. Uh, If you want to know what's the difference of religion, religion is when I look at what I do, rather than looking what Christ has done. 
When what I do is more important than what Christ has done. When it, when it becomes what I need to do. Religion is what is on me to do. But when, when I recognize I don't have religion, it's recognizing it's not what I can do. It's what Christ has already done for me, that he's made it possible for me. And so I believe today God wants to turn over some tables. He wants to turn over some ways of thinking. Some, some, he wants to challenge some, some thoughts and some systems. How, how many would know that there's some systems that need to break? Something like he's getting political and radical. And no, I believe there's some systems, even as we were worshiping, I believe the system of shame needs to be broken today over some lives. As we were singing the, this song, may this favor be upon you as his face shines on you, that his face is looking to you. I just felt in my spirit that there's some people in the room that your face is not looking ahead because you put your head down in shame. I want you to know whatever you did, you might say, I get in the same cycle and in the same condition. His grace is sufficient. Don't let shame keep you in the pattern and the condition that you've been in, but lift up your eyes to the hills where your help comes from. Your help comes from the Lord. And I say no to shame shame today don't go hiding don't go be an exclusion don't put yourself away lift your head to the lord the redeemer of your life how many are thankful for the redeemer today the god who breaks every shame and i just felt my spirit this morning as we're worshiping that god wants to break shame in this house that you can look to god he's looking at you so look back at him yeah your mom your uh, your parents look at me when i'm talking to you i feel like god said look at me when i'm blessing you Look at me when I want to pour my love on you. Look at me. I've got you. You don't have to look away. You don't have to. You can look upon my goodness and glory. Listen, I know in the Old Testament, no man can look upon him and live. But through the blood of Jesus, through the cross, what Christ has made possible, we can now come boldly. What did he say? Peter says this, or he tells us that we can come boldly before the throne of grace in our time of need. Guess what? I don't have to work in the field. I don't have to beg outside. I can sit in the box seat because he's made a place for me to come boldly into the throne of God he's got a place for me to belong this morning settle down all right <laughs> man when you know the place God has made for you it just changes everything John chapter 5 God creates a place and I want to encourage you today it is is it is a place of receiving and responding so I pray today that you would receive you know like that uh, if you were with us uh, last week like that uh, uh, fabric softener that it it goes into the, the the dryer and it causes the fabric to respond that our that we become soft to respond to what God wants to do we become responsive to him today uh, that we would receive from him but then also respond to what God wants to do in our midst John chapter 5 let's jump right into the word why don't you stand with me today somebody say giddy up John chapter 5, here's what the scripture says. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem from one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the sheep gate was the pool of Bethesda. Somebody say Bethesda. Bethesda, Bethesda simply means house of mercy. Anywhere you see Beth with uh, Bethel or Bethlehem, it's the house of whatever follows. The house of bread in Bethlehem, the house uh, of, of God in Bethel, the, the house of mercy uh, here in Beth Bethsaida, he said, in this place that is uh, with the sheep gate, there are five covered porches. And under these porches or at these porches are crowds of sick people, blind, lame, and paralyzed, lay on porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked the man, would you like to get well? You might look... That sounds like a dumb question. I don't think it's not a dumb question. I believe it's 
on some level, an offensive question. You know, Jesus is all warm and fuzzy, but sometimes he knows how to be direct and he knows even how to agitate sometimes in a good way. He's asking the man, do you want to get well? I don't think this is just a, oh, I believe Jesus is saying, man, really? Are you sure you want to get well? Do you really want to get well? Because there's some, there's some change that's going to happen if you get well. You really want this? You really want to get well? Jesus confronts him. He says, do you want to get well? Would you like to get well? I can't, the sick man replied, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. It's like raising three kids in a one-bathroom house. Not good. <laughs> we won't even ask some of the other homes. That you know, I was talking to a neighbor this week, and we looked back. We said, how did we raise kids in certain uh, circumstances and situations. It's the grace of God. You made it with one bathroom. By the time they got to uh, be teenagers, we added another bathroom. So that was a blessing of the Lord. <laughs> he said, every time someone gets there before me, verse eight, Jesus told the man, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Did you notice there's no conversation here? Do you want to get well? I can't. Stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Like there is no other comments made. There's no clarifying statements. There's nothing to like, not what I'm about to do here might seem. No, he just has this conversation. Do you want to get well? I can't. Well, get up and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. How many know the moment you read but? There's a, there's a twist in the story. Before we can celebrate what Jesus did, but. Do you know some of you, before you can walk out of here with joy, the enemy will already bring a butt in your face and say, but. Before you can walk out and say, man, my, I have hope in my future. I have rest restoration. I have a new life. I don't have to walk in shame. The enemy will say, but. How many know what I'm talking about? The enemy knows how to put some of those things in our way and say, but, remember, but, you're certain, but. Uh, here, here's one of those stories. Before we can even celebrate what Jesus does in this man's life, it says, but, this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man, who cured you? You know what? What a statement to a person who could not walk and all of a sudden they're walking. Hey, who did that? <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you, but if I knew somebody that wasn't able to walk and started walking, what in the world happened to you? I mean, if I don't even understand, I'm still going to ask the question. But their question was, you're not able to. You can't do that. Can I say to you today, some of us have too many voices around to say, you can't. You can't live in peace. You can't live in hope. You can't live in confidence. You can't live in restoration. You can't. You can't. You don't have what it takes. The enemy, the the. The Pharisees, I should say, they said, who, who said that you were supposed to do that? Who did that? Um, they said, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry your sleeping mat. <laughs> I couldn't walk for 38 years, but the issue is what? <laughs> Excuse me? I, I couldn't walk for 38 years. I needed someone to support me. I couldn't contribute and give to the economy. I couldn't make part. I couldn't have place. And the problem's What? <laughs> You're not supposed to carry your mat. He says to him, who told you to do that? Verse 11, but the man replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that? They demanded. The man didn't know for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. Notice this is interesting. The man had an encounter with Jesus, but still didn't know him. Red flag, red flag, red flag. You might encounter the presence of God, but just because you've had an encounter doesn't mean you have a relationship.
religion says I've had an encounter and it's connected to what I do. How do I know that? Because they said to Jesus, hey, we cast out demons in your name. We did good things in your name. And what did Jesus say? It's not about what you do. He said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Why? Because you're basing too much on what you do and forgot and recognize what he did. And so he's saying to him, uh, it says that he didn't know who Jesus was. He says, I don't know the man who healed me. Uh, He disappeared into a crowd, but afterward, Jesus found the man in the temple and told him, now you are well, so stop sinning or something else or something worse may happen to you. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. Father, I pray today that you would help us to get up. God, I pray that wherever we've been sitting, God, I pray we would take up our mat and we would walk into what you made possible. I thank you that you get us. I thank you that you know us. And I thank you that you love us more than we can even comprehend. I pray we would receive that love and now walk in what you made possible today. In Jesus' name, if you agree with that today, say amen. And on your way to being seated, ask your neighbor today, what's your hitch? What's your hitch? Um, You don't have to answer. I feel like somebody else, well, let me tell you. It's like, it's kind of like, you know, how are you doing? We really don't want to know. We're just asking. I'm kidding. <laughs> what's what's your, your, your hitch? I'm sure you've heard this uh, statement or this expression without a hitch. And uh, I want to take for the next couple minutes to share from this title, uh, the title without, an, without a hitch. Um, we all would wish life would go without a hitch. We, we wish life would go without... Uh, interruptions and disappointments but what we've learned in life is that everything doesn't always go the way we plan Uh, we wish that we could make plans and they would just play out the way we wanted them but as we know from West Virginia and Pitt football that doesn't always happen the way you plan but let me just say Penn State won and so that uh, I like all of them but Penn State West Virginia then Pitt Oh, those are fighting words for some of you, I know. Um, he's getting up and walking out. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> uh, but I, I pray grace upon the, the, the Steelers today. But how many know just because you plan it a certain way, there's sometimes a hitch that doesn't always allow it to happen. There's uh, uh, plans that we can make. I was uh, Friday on the, uh, my, my day off and out in the yard doing some work, and, and uh, Jaron calls me. He calls from L.A. He says, Dad, I'm sitting here just waiting to pull out. Sitting uh, along uh, traffic, they uh, live uh, uh, just at the foot of the Hollywood Hill sign. And uh, he said, I was getting ready, sitting here waiting, and a car comes by, and it could not fit, but he insisted on fitting between me and another car. He sideswiped me and kept on going. I lost my mirror, got a scratch. He says, now what do I do? He said, I'm going to be late for work, and he's bothered by what happens. I mean, how many know that's a bother? But hey, how many life has hitches sometimes? And so that's why we have insurance. That's why we have stuff. There's just things that we just can't help it. Uh, here in our, our uh, city, uh, I was uh, asking our chief of police, uh, DJ DeWitt, who attends our church, and, and I, I said to him, I say, hey, I'm interested. I've heard the, the, the city give numbers before of responses. I'm just curious, where do those numbers come from? What are they? And so shared some of these numbers with me. And uh, to date right now, in the year, this year alone, over 7,000 calls have been made to responses because someone has had a hitch in their day of some part. There's an incident that has occurred and called for someone to respond. Of those 7,000 uh, right now, that means 
means on average 30 a day. But here's the thing. On average, 30 a day, there's, there's, there's calls that are made because someone is in need. There's an incident that has occurred. There's something either accidental, unexpected, definitely inconvenient. Something has occurred in the moment. But those 30 calls a day only happen within a 2.2-mile area. That just in, a, in, a, in an area and in a space that the, the needs and things that are recognized, what we're, we're people that have life incidents and things that surround us. I wish life could go without a hitch, but sometimes it doesn't. But here's what I want to say to you, that there's a God who knows how to take even the hitches in life and turn them and work them for our good, that he can show up in our difficult and disappointing moments. I want to ask you today, what's your hitch? What is it that's interfering? What, what is even a hitch? A, a hitch would be this. It's something that interferes with the healthy or proper progress of your life without being able to move in a healthy way, that it affects the pace. You're not at a good pace. You're not at a, a healthy pace. You been on a pace but something affected the pace so what does it mean to have a healthy pace let me just give us just a, a perspective something to evaluate what what is the pace of your life i believe the pace could be marked by having peace that we would move our life with peace how many know just because life happens doesn't mean it needs to take our peace that we can move uh, uh, as well with appreciation that just because life happens doesn't mean we can't appreciate life even in difficult moments, in difficult situations, that, that, that we can still have appreciation. Oh, that our confidence would not be lost, that our pace would remain, that no matter what the circumstance, it wouldn't rob our confidence and it definitely wouldn't take our expectation. Are you moving at a healthy pace or has the enemy somewhere along the line affected your ability? Has he put a hitch in your motion and in your movement has he caused you to move instead of without a hitch now you're moving with a hitch I don't know what the hitch might be that has slowed you up God has given you a dream to believe but somewhere along the line the water fizzled the things you believe for you just settled in and you've gotten to a place of well this is just how it is every single one of us learn how to walk with a hitch we learn how to walk with a, with, with a hitch, something that, that interferes and holds us up. I was, uh, a couple years ago, I injured my knee, and as I injured my knee, I noticed that if I bend it a certain way, it hurts. So guess what I learned to do? Not bend it that way. And in not bending it that way, I didn't realize this, but I would have people just randomly say to me, hey, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. You're limping. No, I'm not. Jody said to me one time, said, hey, Jay, you're walking with a limp. I'm like, no, I'm not. I don't have a limp. I, but I recognize, maybe I didn't recognize, but what I knew was if my knee turned a certain direction or it bent at a certain motion, there was a pain. So I did whatever I could to not bend my knee that direction. And in doing so, I learned how to walk in a way that was not full motion and hindering. I learned how to walk with a limp. It's one thing to walk if you're limping because you just wrestled with God. Jacob had a limp. He wrestled with God. He had an encounter and experience with God. It's another thing if you're learning how to limp because you haven't received healing or you're not addressing things that need to be addressed. It's one thing to limp because God transformed you and changed and now put you in a whole different motion moving you forward. It's one thing to move forward with the limp. It's another thing to let excuses just be the limp that keeps you where you are. It's another thing that when you just learned how to limp because of where you've been and you're protected, I'm never going to do that again. I'm not walking in that place again. I'm never going to allow that to happen. I'm never going to love again. I'm never going to trust again. I'm never going to forgive again. I'm not, I learn how to limp. I'm never going to believe again. 
I'm never going to have hope again. I'm never going to hold on. You've learned how to limp. Can I say to you today, before you just learn how to limp, make sure you address what's hindering the limp so that you can move forward with healing because God wants you to move at a healthy pace. What we need in this day are body, a body of believers, a church that knows how to move at a healthy pace, that knows how to move. Now, there's a difference that my knee... Because it's not that healthy, I can't pivot too quickly if I want to go outside and play. And I, I have committed this already. I am a fan, not a player. I just I watched football all day yesterday, and I said to Jody, I said, you know, I, I was just thinking of someone. I'm like, I don't even know if they have a favorite football player or a, f- a favorite football team, a, 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 a college team. And uh, I said to her, I said, you know what? I think they don't have a, a favorite college team because they're still playing flag football. They're, st- they're like my age still playing out in, the, out in the yard. I'm like, God, I wish I could still move like that, but I've just settled to I am a fan and not a player. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. I, I just don't have the agility, the ability, the motion. But I realize there might, some, there might be some things that slow me down in the natural, but I pray my spirit would not have a hitch, that I would be at a place of keep believing, keep holding on, keep trusting, keep moving forward allowing the healing to continue to flow, that even though life happens, I would still move without a hitch. Come on, somebody know what I'm talking about this morning. That we'd still move without a hitch. Yes, life happens. There's no way of saying, well, there won't be any more problems. No, I can't say there won't be problems, but I can say there's one who comes in my moment and shows up in my disappointment and gives me hope and a confidence that he restores me. I, I, uh, I look at this story and here Jesus shows up with this man who's sitting at a pool and there's a group of people. Now, by the way, if you were reading the scripture and I want to point this out that the modern text that we read goes from verse three to verse five. It skips verse four. Verse four, uh, the reason it, or what it skips is it says there was, uh, the, they believed that the angel of the Lord would come and stir the water And if the water was stirred, then the first person who got into the bubbles would get healed. Now, this was a superstition. Now, it was in... In, in older manuscripts and written and it was believed that this was this was a superstition and something that did occur but it wasn't what John originally put in the Bible a scribe a scribe later came along and said oh and if you're wondering why there were a group of people gathering at this pool here's why because there was a subnote a belief that this would happen now that scribe a belief that it got put into scripture you say well does that mean you can't trust the Bible no I believe it means you absolutely can trust the inerrancy of scripture because it's identifying that we are not superstitious people. God is not a God of superstition. You you don't roll a dice and see what Jesus will get you. You you, you don't, this isn't like, you know, worship roulette. You're like, what are we going to get today? You know, just just see what happens. No, I walk in what God has already made possible. He is not a God of superstition. Here's what superstition says. Superstition says, I have to convince myself it works. Belief says, I know he already has. Superstition says, I have to believe that it will, or I have to convince myself that it will. Belief says he already has. When he said it is finished, I can say, by his stripes, I am healed. That's not superstition, it's faith. What, what, what's the difference of faith? Well, faith, faith is when I don't have to talk myself into it. Faith is when I acknowledge what Christ has already made possible and I walk by faith and now I don't talk myself into it. I walk into what he's made possible for me. 
a walk into what he's made possible. That this isn't superstition. And so you might see that 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 verse that is that is not in the modern translation. It's giving a description of why they're there because they believe that if they gathered at this place, so it was surrounded with what the Bible says were uh, in, uh, individuals who were not able to see to move, and so they were sick. And Jesus shows up in this place where they are, and uh, he shows up on this holy day. There had been a festival, people come into town. Some thought is that this only happened at Passover, a rare occasion. But we don't know exactly everything of how this water and belief was of this water. We just know this, that people gathered because they believed they would get healing there. So Jesus showed up at the place where a group of people were gathering for healing. He shows up at a man who has now been lame or not lame, has been lame or sick for 38 years. Now, how many recognize because he was sick 38 years, that means he was older than 38. There was an incident. Jesus says, stop sinning or something else, something worse may happen to you. There's an indication that his sin affected. We, we don't know what that is. We, we, could, we could speculate it'd be a waste of time, but there may have been something that he did as a sin or whatever it was. I don't believe just of God punishing, but how many know that one of the sins might be a simple thing as this? He may have stolen something and jumped out at a younger age and jumped out of a window to get away from what he's stolen and in the process broke his legs I don't know there's speculation I don't know it's not worth it all we know is there was an incident that occurred in his years in his younger years of living now for 38 years he's been unable to walk so he makes his way which how many know the only way he made his way there was somebody carried him so someone now carries him to this place now here's why it feels like sometimes when hope is gone Jesus knows how to show up the places that feels like the wrong place at the wrong time Here's why it feels like the wrong time. The average life expectancy at this time was 30 to 35 years. If you lived into your 30s, you're getting up there, old man. If you made it to your 30s, I remember when my dad turned 30. I was 10 years old. We celebrated dad's 30th birthday. As a kid, I remember thinking, man, my dad's old. How many know that thought has changed? <laughs> that just, whoop, that's gone. I mean, I don't know what I was thinking at the age of 10, but if you made it to your 30s, you were, you were living older. Jesus speaks to a man who had not only just lived to his 30s, now he's at a place that for 38 years he's been sick. Now, we don't know in what years of his, of his early years. We don't know how old he is. We just know 38 years he's sick. And I think there's something significant that Jesus is reminding us that you might feel like you've been in a pattern and in a place forever, and instead of feeling like you're stuck and this is how it's going to be, God knows how to show up in the impossible moments, in the places that feel like it's not possible, that he shows up and does a work it's interesting 38 years similar to almost the 40 years of the wilderness that they spent in the wilderness because sometimes there's a process that God lets us go through because until certain things die in us we're not ready to walk into what God has for us until we allow some certain things to die in us it prepares us to walk in to what God has for us there's this 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 event that's happening not only is it the wrong place at the wrong time because the man is is in their culture he's old it's also the wrong time because, did you notice it happened on the Sabbath? <gasps> he healed him on the Sabbath. And Jesus, of course, performs a miracle. Now, here's what I want you to see about Jesus. How many know Jesus knows what he's doing? Do you mean to tell me that Jesus went in and healed on the Sabbath? It was like, oops, I'm sorry, I didn't even think about it. 
when Jesus went in there, he's like, hey, <laughs> watch this. I'm about to upset some stuff. I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm challenging your system. I'm challenging your way of thinking. I'm challenging the things that you've made sacred that have now become a religious idol. You know what made Israel so special? Is that foreigners would come to Israel and they would find in Israel a temple with no idols. Do you know how foreign that was? Because every other temple in the world has an idol. How many know the temple in Jerusalem doesn't have an idol? Because he has a king who sits on a throne. He's not made by man. He is. And you know what else they had? When you go to Israel, there's a day that you don't work. But why is that significant? Because it's a day of acknowledging total dependency and trust in God. Now, religious people turned it into, here's how you don't work. Isn't it interesting that we can take the things that God does and then formulate it? And write books on it and tell everybody else how it needs to happen. <laughs> I'm just, I, I think sometimes we've written books that didn't need to be written because God said, I just did a work and don't put me in a box because just, just because I did it that way in one season doesn't mean I'm going to do it the same way in the next. But when God moves, we got to formulate, we got we to put it all in, in place and figure out, no, that's religion. That's, that's religion when we try to figure out God. Guess what I found out? <laughs> I can't figure him out. I just, only thing I figured out is this. He is so awesome. He's so holy. He's so set apart. He's so great. He's so beyond that even when I don't make sense of what's happening, he's still a God who's working and faithful in the midst of what's, what I'm walking through. And so here is there, Jesus comes in and, and he heals on the Sabbath. Now their belief was that you weren't allowed to carry your mat. They made that one of the rules. Like you can't carry your mat. Like here's what it was. We have to rest on the Sabbath. Well, resting on the Sabbath, why did God create the Sabbath? He created the Sabbath as a day that is holy to worship God. As a day of worshiping God, it was to rest from your work. The reason you rested from your work was not because work was sinful, but because when you rested, it was a day of reminding yourself you're resting from what you use to make money because on that day, you're not working the field because your provision comes from God, not your work. And so you would stop in a day's work doing what you could do to make money or make a living because you acknowledge your living isn't what your hands produce. Your living is from the one who makes all things possible so for one day a week you stop your work and recognize the work that he did that's the purpose of the sabbath but what did they turn it into rules laws don't do this don't do that so that on the day god heals a man instead of acknowledging what god did which is what the the sabbath is all about the Sabbath is set aside as a day to recognize what God has done. It should have been a day that they said, wow, God is among us. Look what God has done. But instead of celebrating what God has done is, who told you to carry that mat? Because the law says, no, you created a new law. Because they created almost 500 laws, 500 plus laws to this is how it needs to, This is what you do. This is how it works. And now in the moment, Jesus comes in and he heals on the Sabbath and he challenges them. I believe this was absolutely, not I believe, I know, because he's a God who's deliberate. Jesus intentionally knew what he was doing. He intentionally asked the question, do you really want to get healed? And he intentionally did it on a day when he wasn't supposed to do it. 
because he was challenging the system. I believe he was challenging some hitches. Here's some hitches I think need challenge. Number one, challenge your circumstances. Here's your, 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 your situation, challenging your situation. I know you could look at your situation, and he says to the man, when the situation identifies the, the way it is, you might say today, God, I, I, I believe you can heal, but I don't know what that hitch is, that but that's creating a hitch for God to do something in your life. Do you want to get, get well? I can't. I have no one to carry me, and when the water bubbles, someone gets there before me. His situation and, and circumstance that he looks at, he, he start identifying his situation. Can I say to you today, you'll be better to get up and run or get up and walk when you quit identifying your situation and start identifying the one who is greater than your situation? Because here's what situation, the, the longer you look at situation, your situation, the longer you stare at it, it becomes tradition. Now I want to challenge your tradition. You've stared at your situation long enough that now it's just become the way it always is and the, or the way it's been. You stare at your problem long enough. You tell yourself, we're a impoverished county. We can't do that here. You keep telling yourself long enough that that's the situation, and soon it becomes your tradition. And guess what tradition is? The moment someone tries to change it, everyone else says, who said to do that? The moment you start living different than your family, somebody comes along and says, you think you're better than everybody else. Who do you think you are? The moment you work and shift a system, somebody says, we've always lived like this. Well, you think you're better than we are? We've always just lived on the system. We've always had the hand up. We've always been in the less than. We've always been. You, who do you think you are that you can climb out of? I'll tell you who I am. I'm sitting in the box seats of heaven because he's created a place for me. That he, sa he said, I'm seated with him in heavenly places. I'm not a person of poverty. I'm a person who knows a God who is more than enough. And so the longer you stare at your situation, it'll become your tradition. And the longer it becomes your tradition, that's just how we do things here. <laughs> this is how we do things in our culture. Maybe your culture needs turned over. Right. You know, in our culture, we're just all soft and pleasant, and we don't shout and get excited in our culture. <laughs> Meet Jesus, and your culture might change. We, there's a shift that'll, that'll occur the moment you have an encounter with Jesus. He wants to challenge the tradition. Let me say it this way. That until Jesus is greater than where you've been, or until Jesus is greater than what you've experienced, you'll just remain where you've always been. Whatever you've experienced, Jesus says to the, the disciples or to the Pharisees in Matthew when they're addressing again the Sabbath, Jesus says to them, you would not condemn my disciples if you knew what the scriptures said. Because here's what religion does. Religion turns into criticism. Religion turns into criticism. You'll know you have a religious spirit if you criticize. Religion is criticism. It doesn't mean discernment is different than criticism. There's a difference. And too many times there are people walking in criticism and masking it as a spirit of discernment. Discernment will build up. Criticism will tear down. And so there's a difference. Religion criticizes. Jesus says, if you would have known the scriptures, you wouldn't condemn my disciples for what they're doing. And then he says this word, this really got them. For the son of man is Lord of the harvest or of the, of the Sabbath. Oh, no, he didn't. He just put himself above the things we worship. We worship our buildings. We worship our traditions. 
We worship the way it's been. And now he's put himself above that. Listen, until Jesus becomes greater than anything you've experienced, you'll just keep staying in the same place you've always been. Until Jesus becomes Lord of the harvest, here's what I'm make this, this tangible and practical for you. Whatever it is right now that is a hitch, I've been treated this way, offended this way, acted, something occurred. Until Jesus becomes greater than your hurt, you'll never walk in healing. Until Jesus becomes greater than your offense, you'll never, you keep coming to a place of where your tradition has held you to where, yeah, but, but this situation is until Jesus becomes greater than your pain. Let's be honest. My pain is personal. And sometimes I've held on to my pain so much that in order to let go of my pain, I feel like I'm letting go of myself. Because my identity is more in my pain than it is in my provision. I have learned to sit at the pool and just instead of walking in the provision, just keep saying, can't even imagine all these people. They don't even, they get there before me. Oh. So Jesus says, you want to get healed. How many know out of the mouth, the heart speaks? Jesus says, you want to get healed? I can't. I have nobody, nobody helps me around here. Nobody comes along and does for me. Everybody else gets what they want, but I don't get what I need. I can't. Sorry. I don't know what came over me. <laughs> there are some things I don't want to blame on the Holy Ghost because he's not that foolish. Come on, how many know we know the story that what comes out of us? Well, you know what? We, we'd really be able to do something significant for God if people... Like I, I'll hear people say, you know, man, if, if, uh, if, if people really tithe, we'd be able to give, do something for God. I believe that if we tithe, we'll do something significant for God. But can I tell you, God knows that when we need the millions of dollars, he's going to provide it at just the right time. Because he's given me a box seat to watch what he is going to do. He's a God of more than enough. I'm not worried about when and where. I, I just know the God in whom I serve and believe. So I, you might say, well, man, why aren't we seeing miracles? You know why we're not seeing miracles today? People just aren't trusting. People aren't. Why? Quit criticizing what we're not seeing and declare the one who says all things are possible and move in the, because I don't know about you, but as for me, I've seen the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He's been good to me. I know there's still more, but I'm not talking about what I don't have and what it used to be and how we not. I'm stepping into what he has for me now because he's still shows up at inopportune times and does miracles he still shows up in those places and so I, I want to get beyond my tradition Here, here's the last thing worship team's coming and they're going to help me close by making me stop um, he needs to confront our situation the way, the way it is he needs to confront our tradition the way it's been and he needs to confront our expectation the way it's going to be this man is sitting at the pool and all he can see is bubbles, people, sick. Bubble, people. I'm waiting for bubbles. People get ahead of me and I stay sick. So his expectation is I need to get to the bubbles in order for me to get healed. Jesus comes along and says, I want to challenge your expectation. How do I know this? Because how do we read this? He says, do you want to be well? I can't. There's bubbles, people get ahead of me, I don't have help. 
And Jesus doesn't say, I'm so sorry. He doesn't come along and say, you know, in life, sometimes we just have to learn how to cope and walk. The man just gave him his whole list of, I can't. And what's Jesus say? Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Listen, when there's not a conversation in between, I, I realize I might be adding a little bit of liberty to this, but here's what I hear Jesus saying. Uh, when you're done having a, a moping pity party, when you're done with that, uh, pick up your mat and walk. I'll be over here. I don't feel like it was this, oh, I'm about to come upon you and now you're gonna move. No, Jesus was saying, okay, well, when you're done with that, pick up your mat and walk. I, I believe he's just getting right to the point. He says, I can't, no, the bubbles come, no one's able to pick me up. I have all this said again. This was done, this happened, this occurred. He said, okay, well, pick up your mat and walk. I wonder if we would get to the point where his word would be enough for us to pick up our mat and to walk. Because here's what happens when you pick up your mat. When you pick up your mat, it means you can't go back to the same place you've been. It's one thing to get up and walk, but he didn't say get up and walk. He said, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Why is that important? Because you don't need to come back here anymore. You don't need to come back where you've been. You don't need to keep rehashing and coming back to the, I, I don't know about you, but there's healing that God has done in my life. And there are moments, the part of that healing has occurred because I've learned how to talk different about my life. Because it was so easier to talk, somebody would get in and I would start telling about all the stuff that seems to be wrong and whatever. And the Holy Spirit says, boy, you seem to be stuck on that. When if I've healed you, pick up your mat and Walk. There, there's this, 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 this uh, ability to move on beyond expectations and, 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 and the expectation becomes, God, you're gonna do something different. And here's the expectation. Because your word says it, that's enough. So pick up your mat and walk. Here's what I would say to you today. You can either keep staying in the bed you made or you can pick up your bed and walk. You can keep sleeping in the bed you made or you can get up and pick up your bed and walk. You can now realize this was not a Serta Queen mattress, you know, <laughs> up and over. This is like, you know, youth camp, <laughs> roll your foam up kind of thing. Yoga mat, which rubber mat, exercise mat. Someone said one time, what's an exercise? They said uh, uh, they use the same stuff in exercise mats to make uh, the McRib at McDonald's. And, uh, <laughs> and the guy said, what? is an exercise mat. <laughs> that was the best part. Anyway, you missed it. You missed it. But you pick up your foam mat and walk. Roll up your bed and, and walk. And, and all of a sudden, it becomes this recognition that I'm moving from here. Here's the question. Are you willing to get up? Because in order to get up, you got to believe. You got to believe. Do you know the man got up and did what he had never done for 38 years because he believed the word of Jesus? So in order to get up, you gotta believe. You gotta believe. God, help my unbelief. I, I gotta believe that, God, you're in this. That in the midst of what's been done to me, what's happened, what's occurred, I got a hitch. But God, I hear you say, get up. So I'm gonna believe your word. So I've gotta get up, and then I gotta pick up. And if I gotta pick up, I, I've gotta retrieve the mat. And when I retrieve, here's what I'm saying. That mat is no longer telling me where to lay. I'm gonna tell that mat where to go. 
There's a whole difference in life. You know the authority that you have in Jesus? You don't have to tell, you don't have to be told where you're going to lay. You can tell those things that try to lie on you and prey on you and keep you trapped. You can take captive every thought that lifts itself against the knowledge of Jesus Christ. You can pick it up and make it look at the presence of God and say, no, you don't belong here. You can get up, pick up, and let me just add the last one. Get up, pick up, and giddy up. Some of you have a hitch in your giddy up. And here's what it means that giddy up is you begin to leave where you've been and walk into a place you've not been before. Can I say to you, you're gone through turmoil, difficulty. Jesus doesn't want you to just get back to where you were. Because here's the thing. If you've been 38 years sick and now you're walking, you're not going back to where you were. And sometimes we just say to God, God, get me back to where I was. No, you're not going to go back to where you were. You're going to go to a place you've never been before. Because now my power, coupled with what you've walked through, that you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Guess what? You still got to deal with the land of the living to see the goodness of the Lord. And some of us want to ignore the land of the living just to get the goodness of the Lord. But you can't have the goodness of the Lord without having the testimony of the land of the living. Because guess what's in the land of the living? Sometimes life doesn't go without a hitch. But even when it's with a, with a, with a hitch, I have seen the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Why? Because he said, pick up your mat and walk. I don't know what's affecting your pace today, your peace, your appreciation, your confidence, your expectation. The enemy's got you in a, in a place of gloom. He's got you in a place of despair. He's, he, he's taken away your dream. I want to say to you today, dream again. The God you serve, you, you didn't outlive the dream that God has for your life. Can I tell you, you never will. You know why? Because I am walking in dreams that people had and aren't here to see it today. I'm walking in dreams that people had, and I've got some dreams for what I believe God wants to do in Fayette County. And I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know, but I'm not going to stop dreaming. I'm not going to stop running after it. I'm not going to stop loving after, living after Jesus Christ. Because even if it doesn't happen with me or in my lifetime, that's okay. Because it's not about me. It's about the kingdom of God that is forcefully advancing. And I'm walking in a place that someone plowed the ground. And here's what I could do. I could just get comfortable laying at the pool where someone carried me let me say that again I can just get comfortable sitting at the pool that someone carried me to or I can pick up my mat and now walk to a new place and set a new course for someone else I walk and I said this in Jesus name I'm walking in wholeness and security so that my kids don't have to walk or lay in the same mat that God delivered me from that I pick up my mat and I walk and guess what I want my kids to now walk further than I've walked I don't want this circle roundabout I don't want to come back here anymore I'm not waiting for a superstition I'm walking in the power and the authority of what God has made possible you know why because it's for me and my children and my children's children and for all who are far off the power of God to make all things new in Jesus name so get up pick up your mat let's walk I can't uh, how many would say today I'm done saying I can't I'm done saying nobody will I'm done saying I'm done with the I want to walk in the freedom and the fullness of joy I want to walk at a healthy pace. 
God, give me my steps back. Lord, take the hitch out of my giddy-up. Come on, would you stand with me all across this room today? I don't know what your hitch is right now. I don't know what it is. Maybe the situation. God wants to confront your situation. You've stared at long enough. It's become your tradition. In Jesus' name, let it change. But I want you to see this. Jesus said to the, they, they said to the man who healed you, and the man said, I don't know because Jesus withdrew. But Jesus came back to him and said, today you are whole. Now stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. And what was Jesus saying? Was Jesus giving him a threat? No, Jesus was saying, you may be able to walk, but if you don't know me as Savior, you'll just keep returning where you've been before. Until you know who I am, what's worse? Well, here's what's worse. Eternal separation from Jesus Christ. To spend eternity in a place called hell that is separated from the presence of God that's not to scare people. That's just to make a truth and reality. You can live in this type of living without the presence of God forever. And hell isn't hell because of fire. Hell is hell because the presence of God is not there. That's what's hell. Why is that? Because there's no hope. There's no peace. There's no joy. The presence of God. How many would say today it's the presence of God that gives me everything I need? In him I live, I breathe, I move, and I have my being. If you're here today and you say, Jason, I don't know Jesus. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. Before we pray and leave this place, we're going to pray a prayer of salvation. Here's what we're going to ask you to do in just a moment. To, to raise your hand and simply put it up and put it down to say, today, I'm making Jesus the Lord of my life. The moment you do that, we're going to shout and celebrate all across this room. And then we're going to pray a prayer together because we're a family, and that's what family does. And then we're going to invite you to come with someone from this family to meet one of our prayer team here because we want to give you some information. We want to let you know how to follow Jesus. We want to give you some resources because we believe that you can either grow by accident or you can grow by intentional. If anything by accident, that's called a weed. But if you plant it and nourish it and keep it, it'll produce fruit. And Jesus said that you and I are to produce fruit. So you say, well, why do I need to come forward and meet with somebody? Because it's all about God. We want to produce fruit. We want to see health and relationships and, and see your purpose carried in our lives. So y'all ready to celebrate? So I'm going to ask today, if you're here and you say, I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. And you say, today is my day. I'm surrendering my life to Christ. I'm asking him to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. If that's you, just lift your hand up and just put it right back down. Is there anybody today? Yeah, is there anyone you say, today, I'm making Jesus the Lord of my life. Come on, is there anybody? Yeah, 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 amen. Come on, celebrate. Yeah, celebrate. Celebrate. Is there anyone else today? Come on, is there someone else today? Is someone else today to join? Four people today who said, I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. You're not alone. You're not alone. Come on, we're going to pray this prayer. Maybe you didn't raise your hand. We're going to give you an opportunity as we sing. As we're praying, now I'm going to ask our prayer team to come on the, the, the sides here. And, and um, we're going to pray this prayer together. And all across this room, it's a prayer of salvation, acknowledging Jesus as the Lord of our life. Come on, would you pray this together? Dear Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I acknowledge that I've sinned, but I believe in your work 
Thank you for dying on the cross and for taking away my sins. I believe that you're the Son of God and today you are my Savior and my Lord. I am saved never to be the same. In Jesus' name, come on, if you believe that today, would you just give a shout of praise to God?